This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. Hello and welcome to today's program. I hope your week has gone well and you managed to practice the teachings to the best of your ability. In our last program, we talked about calm abiding, the ability to place your mind on any object and it stays there without discomfort for as long as you like. As we said, this state brings great peace for a while. The mind is focused so single-pointedly, our usual tormentors like anger, greed, lust and so on are banished and have no opportunity to affect us. The Burmese meditator Chamwa Swada calls such a state mental purity and describes it like this. It means that while your mind is well and deeply concentrated, it has no disturbances, no irritation. It doesn't get annoyed. Those mental states such as sensual desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness and remorse, and skeptical doubts are all called hindrances. These hindrances are not in a concentrated mind, because the mind is deeply concentrated on the object of meditation. So none of these hindrances could come to the mind because the mind is deeply concentrated on the object. It means the deep concentration of the mind removes those mental defilements. Then the mind becomes calm, quiet, tranquil and serene. You enjoy peacefulness as long as the mind is deeply concentrated. It is called jhana or absorption. However, he go, does go on to point out that this is not an insight meditation. This concentrated mind does not have the ability to permanently free us from the hindrances. Only insight meditation that realizes the nature of reality can do that. However, as I said last time we spoke, without this calm abiding meditation, our insight meditation will not be powerful enough to destroy the hindrances once and for all. The mind will always want to wander off to other objects or be overtaken by the hindrances, and so our weapon against the hindrances, the mind itself, will not be strong enough to destroy the enemy. So first, we must develop concentration meditation or shamata, and then use that to analyze reality with insight or vipassana meditation. The samadhi meditation will then make our mind so powerful that we'll be able to penetrate the veils that the hindrances and the effects leave on our mind, and we'll be able to see that everything we took for reality is merely dreamlike, not substantial. Now last week we did a few short concentration meditations, but today we're going to try to extend our meditation into a longer session. But before we do that, let's set motivation as usual. The best motivation, as I've said before, is to gain enlightenment so we can be of greatest benefit to all other suffering beings. This is a very vast motivation because the object, all other suffering beings, is countless. Even if you just took all the insects on this earth as your object, that collection of beings would be close to numberless because it would be very difficult to come to an end counting them. I have heard of an ant colony in Europe that stretches for 6,000 kilometers along the Mediterranean coast, and another that stretches for 900 kilometers in California. There's evidently even another huge colony in Japan. But if you can even imagine a colony of ants 6,000 kilometers long, 
you will see that estimating the number of ants is almost impossible. And that is only ants. How about all the other insect species on earth? So an intent to benefit all living beings is indeed very, very vast. And the texts say that it brings a similarly vast positive potential. Therefore, let's take a moment to set just such a motivation here so that our meditation has unbounded benefits. Thank you. Now, as we meditate, we will have to be very mindful that our mind does not get involved in the five hindrances we spoke of in previous programs. Let's go through them again so we are clear on what we have to avoid. The first is laziness, though unless you are determined not to go through with our meditation today, we don't need to worry about that here. Laziness includes putting the meditation off to a later date, being attracted to trivial objects, and thinking that we are not good enough to do the practice. Another obstacle to meditation is forgetfulness of either the instructions or the object. A third obstacle is really what we should look out for in our meditation, that is excitement and laxity. With excitement, the mind is distracted to an object of attachment, and with laxity, the mind loses focus on the object or its clarity. Under gross laxity, the object is stable but unclear, while with subtle laxity, it is clear and stable but not intense. The mind has become too relaxed and we've lost the fine focus on the object. With gross excitement, we completely lose the object we are meditating on, while in subtle excitement the mind stays on the object but is disturbed by an undercurrent of thinking on an object of, of attachment like water flowing under ice. Then the fourth obstacle is not applying the antidotes to the faults when they arise. And the last obstacle most of us don't have to worry about yet because it's applying the antidotes when we don't have to. Only advanced practitioners have to worry about this one. For most of the time, ordinary practitioners like myself will have to be consistently aware of the faults arising in the mind and counter them. So please keep these faults in mind as we meditate, especially laxity and excitement, and counter them as soon as you see them arising. First of all, we will prepare the mind with a short visualization and focus on the breath, and then we will meditate on the nature of mind itself. So sit comfortably and bring your mind into your body. Now just gently smile to yourself. Imagine you're like a crystal dropped into a pool of water that sinks down to the bottom of the pool and settles like it's coming home. And in the same way that the crystal is not moved by anything in the pool, but lets everything just float on by, allow your experience, whatever it is, to flow on by without becoming engaged in it.
Now, as the pool and the crystal become radiant when struck by sunlight, imagine you are filled with light and your whole body and mind become radiant. gently bring your mind onto your breath, again letting the thoughts and so on come and go without becoming involved. When the mind wanders off as it will, gently bring it back without comment or judgment and concentrate again. It doesn't matter how many times you have to bring it back.
We're now going to meditate on the mind itself. In the book, The Dalai Lama, A Policy of Kindness, His Holiness the Dalai Lama describes this meditation like this. Try to leave your mind vividly in a natural state, without thinking of what happened in the past or of what you are planning for the future, without generating any conceptuality. Where does it seem that your consciousness is? Is it with the eyes or where is it? Most likely you have a sense that it's associated with the eyes since we derive most of our awareness of the world through vision. This is due to having relied too much on our sense consciousness. However, the existence of a separate mental consciousness can be ascertained. For example, when attention is diverted by sound, that which appears to the eye consciousness is not noticed. This indicates that a separate mental consciousness is paying more attention to sound heard by the ear consciousness than to the perceptions of the eye consciousness. With persistent practice, consciousness may eventually be perceived or felt as an entity of mere luminosity and knowing, to which anything is capable of appearing, and which, when appropriate conditions arise, can be generated in the image of whatsoever object. As long as the mind does not encounter the external circumstance of conceptuality, it will abide empty, without anything appearing in it like clear water. Its very entity is that of mere experience. Let the mind flow of its own accord without conceptual overlay. Let the mind rest in its natural state and observe it. In the beginning, when you're not used to this practice, it's quite difficult. But in time, the mind appears like clear water. Then stay with the unfabricated mind without allowing conceptions to be generated. In realizing this nature of the mind, we have for the first time located the object of observation of this internal type of meditation. It is this unfabricated mind we are now going to practice generating. With one corner of your attention, watch the mind itself. Look into the mind, letting everything arise and pass without becoming involved in any of it, but become aware of the background spaciousness and openness. That is our object of concentration. As His Holiness says, let the mind flow of its own accord without conceptual overlay. Let the mind rest in its natural state and then observe it. So now sit comfortably and bring your attention onto the mind itself.
Okay, now please come out of meditation. Were you able to keep your focus on the mind itself? What did you notice? This is one of the meditations you can do to attain calm abiding, though of course there are many others. His Holiness gives this instruction if you want to make this a daily practice. The best time for practicing this form of meditation is in the morning, in a quiet place, when the mind is very clear and alert. It helps not to have eaten too much the night before, nor to sleep too much. This makes the mind lighter and sharper the next morning. Gradually the mind will become more and more stable. Mindfulness and memory will become clearer. See if this practice makes your mind more alert during the day. As a temporary benefit, your thoughts will become more tranquil. As your memory improves, gradually you can develop a kind of special perception and understanding, which is due to an increase of mindfulness. As a long-term benefit, because your mind has become more alert and sharp, you can utilize it in whatever field you want. If you are able to do a little meditation daily, withdrawing this scattered mind on one object inside, it is very helpful. The conceptuality that runs on thinking of good things, bad things and so forth, and so on, will get a rest. It provides a little vacation just to sit a bit in non-conceptuality and have a rest. Now our time is up and we must go. Happy meditating for the coming week, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/slash Free FM eighty nine to find out more.